We've all done it. Whether intentional or not, we have hurt someone, offended someone, cost someone something. We said something to a friend that we desperately wish we could take back, but you know that once you've said it, you, you can't take it back. We broke something irreplaceable that wasn't ours. And then we realize the pain that we've caused. And we're heartbroken. We ask for forgiveness because that's all we can do. And we can only be happy if we are truly forgiven and the relationship is good again. Today Jesus uses some stories to talk about damaged relationships with God that need his forgiveness in order to be fixed and the joy that results when they are. Forgiveness for the lost and rejoicing over the found. That's what Jesus teaches us about today. Some were excited to see the teacher that day and some not so much. There was a crowd of notorious sinners who wanted to hear Jesus and there was a group of religious experts who didn't want them to be taught. Although people didn't realize it, Jesus was on his last trip to Jerusalem. He was going there to die. As he went along from place to place, he continually drew crowds like this. Tax collectors, sinners, religious people, religious experts all huddled around him, but for different reasons. The super-religious looked on as those notorious sinners were sitting at Jesus' feet, intently listening, listening to what he was saying, and they weren't very happy about what they saw. Years back, Jesus had even made one of those tax collectors one of his disciples. You may remember how Jesus called Matthew straight out of his tax collecting booth to follow him. And Matthew was very happy about that. You may remember what he did. He threw a party, a party for Jesus. And who was there? Other tax collectors. Uh, yeah, who else would come, right? That was earlier in Jesus' ministry. Here, toward the end, Jesus was still hanging out with society's undesirables, people with few friends, the kind of people you avoid eye contact with, the kind of people you don't want to be around, the kind of people that, that you wouldn't want to be seen speaking with. There was a, a constant stream of people flocking to Jesus because they wanted to listen to what he had to say. And Jesus received them as we just sang. Why was he doing that? Because they were sinful people, and in many cases, publicly known sinners, and they needed to repent. Their sin guaranteed that they had no relationship with God. They needed to hear that they had offended God with the things that they have said, the things that they had done, whether it was public or not. They were the spiritually lost, they were wandering through life and eventually would meet a, a devastating eternal destination. If they would listen to Jesus, though, if they would repent of their sins, if they would trust in him for forgiveness, they would be saved and there would be rejoicing in heaven over that. This is why Jesus welcomed those people. They were lost and he wanted them to be found. 
He wanted them to experience his amazing grace. Like a loud bang outside your house in the middle of the night jolts you awake and gets your attention, the reputation of Jesus, word of his miracles, the uh, talk of his teaching, that people paid attention to. That drew them in. Spiritual curiosity brought them to listen to Jesus. But how different they were from the Pharisees and the experts in the law. They were there too, but they weren't really there to listen. They were there, once again, to find fault with Jesus and to complain. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Well, clearly Jesus was not a trustworthy spiritual leader if he would do that. And they wouldn't let it go. They kept muttering and grumbling to the people there. And when it came to Jesus, they had a lot to complain about because he continually confronted them with hard truths and he was always doing something like this. Jesus was no Pharisee, but they wanted him to act like they did. They wanted him to look down on others who were not as pious as he was. And he should avoid them entirely. Well, Jesus had a story for them, a parable, earthly story with a spiritual meaning. This is the story of the one out of a hundred. And did you notice when we heard it read a few minutes ago that Jesus made the Pharisees the subject of his short story? Which one of you, if you had 100 sheep and lost one of them, would not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that was lost until he finds it? Really wasn't a question, was it? He was saying, if it was you, you would leave the 99 totally alone to go find that one lost sheep. And no one could argue. That's a, totally what they would have done. And the person who does that, leaves the rest to find the one, would have been overjoyed to find that lost one. So much so that he would call together friends to rejoice with him. Because that's what people do when they get good news, right? They, they share it with those around them. Story was pretty easy, but the hard truth was coming. What does it mean that the lost sheep has been found? Well, Jesus did take it easy on them. He explained this parable. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. The lost sheep is a person. A person lost in sin, facing the prospect of being lost for eternity in hell. God doesn't want that for anyone. God wants the sinner to repent. And when that happens, the person rejoices over the forgiveness they have in God. The rejoicing of the shepherd and his friends in the story is like Jesus, the good shepherd, and the angels in heaven rejoicing when a sinner repents, when the spiritually lost is then found. Jesus was teaching the tax collectors and the sinners because he wanted them to rejoice 
in their repentance. He wanted to rejoice in their repentance and their reliance on him as their savior. Any self-righteous complainers who didn't feel that they needed to repent, who felt that they were better than these tax collectors and sinners, should have taken warning that they needed to repent also in order for them to be rejoiced over in heaven and to actually find themselves there one day. Back-to-back stories would emphasize his point. Second story is about a woman who had ten drachmas, ten coins. Since each coin was worth about was worth a, a day's labor wage, you and I might think of this as ten days uh, at minimum wage. Total value of about a thousand dollars. And so, the woman lost a coin, about a hundred bucks. If you lost a $100 bill, you'd look for it too, right? So she lights a lamp. She sweeps the house. She, she keeps looking until she finally comes up with the coin. She tells her friends about how she lost the significant part of her, her money to live on, but she found it, and her joy was magnified because her, her friends joined in celebrating. And Jesus again explains, in the same way, I tell you, There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. God has 8 billion people in the world. Not just 100 sheep, not just 10 coins. And in a way, you and I cannot even begin to fathom. He loves them all. And he wants them all to be saved. He wants every person to repent of their sins, turn to him in faith, and live with him eternally in heaven. God desperately wants this. That's that's how big his love is. Again, beyond our comprehension, except that's what scripture says. It's why he sent his son to die. It's why Jesus was making his way to Jerusalem. It's why Jesus spent time with sinners. That's why he made the effort to to teach those who didn't think they really were sinners. Jesus would have rejoiced over the Pharisees and experts in the law if they too had listened to him and repented. On a number of occasions, Jesus ate with them too. We heard about one of those a couple weeks ago. But from what the Bible tells us, they, they didn't really listen. Instead, they rejected what Jesus taught. They didn't listen to his appeal to repent and find forgiveness in him and see him as the Savior. There's a warning for us here. We need to watch that our hearts are not pharisaical. People might be different than us in all sorts of ways. But they are people that Jesus loves. We dare not judge them to be less important than we are. People may not seem to us like the religious type or seem like they're likely to listen to us if we talk about God and and the Bible to them. But we dare not make that judgment because we don't know that. And we were no more likely to believe either. 
all of us require God to reach out and bring us to him. People may seem to us to be too sinful to be forgiven or so sinful that we don't want them forgiven. Insert the name of your favorite terrorist here. We dare not sit in judgment on others when we ourselves would have been rightly damned had God not found us. We're warned not to be self-righteous, like those pointing fingers while, while Jesus was finding the lost. There's also encouragement for us here. Some of us have maybe only applied these stories of Jesus in this way, that when someone isn't coming to church, then we're to go after them and bring them back. And sometimes it's suggested that this is the pastor's job. While it's true that all Christians are called to reach out to the lost and to the straying, do you see what Jesus is driving at here? It's even bigger than that. Seeing the efforts and hearing the teaching of Jesus toward obvious sinners and, and the inwardly corrupt but outwardly righteous ones really directs us to see that this is God's searching and God's forgiveness and God's rejoicing. God finds sinners and brings them to to repentance and to life. Jesus came to both parts of that crowd that day to do just that. You and I and the recipients of God's grace. You and I have been rejoiced over by God and the angels in heaven. How amazing is that? And you and I didn't cause that to happen because we're such good people. That actually can be a hard truth too because we have this little Pharisee in us that wants to think that that we're pretty good or at least we're better than than some others. The truth is that, that God in his grace gave us faith to trust in Jesus. He the desire to listen to him. God is the one who brought us in. God who did the thing. Wasn't us. It was God. So now we think like God. Now we want everyone to to hear about, to experience Jesus' forgiveness and love. Doesn't this move us to action then, these stories of Jesus? How can we not want to serve as uh, a way that Jesus chases after the wandering sheep? How can we not want to be those who, who search relentlessly for the lost coins that are nearby? Actually, God's hand working here, bringing Jesus to them so that they're no longer lost but found. As we bring God's law and gospel to people, we should expect Some are going to resist it. But some will actually listen intently and they'll believe. And there will be rejoicing in heaven over those who are found. Now, if you should be so blessed, if you should be so fortunate to be the instrument of God, the the person who sees this happen in someone, 
well, then you too will rejoice. Your prayers to God today should include thanks that God found you when you were lost and asking that he always keep you mindful of his grace so that you never think like those self-righteous Pharisees and experts in the law and asking that he would use you to search for and share forgiveness with the lost so that they might too be found. That'll be my prayer today also. May God in his goodness grant Amen.